You're listening to Bell, Book, and Candle with Mela Borowski. Thoughts from a Southern Witch. Should have studied witchcraft. Should have learned to ride a broom. So me and my black cat could fly through the skies underneath the moon. Hey y'all, I'm Mela, the Southern Belle and Bell, Book, and Candle. This episode features our guest, Julia Wesley, an Akashic Records reader, a soul blueprint healer, and podcast host of Becoming Divine. She works in the Akash to help people heal their karma, better understand their divine nature, and remember how to live and expand in alignment with who they are. Welcome, Julia. I'm so glad you're here with me today. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited to talk to you. I would love to learn just a little bit more about you personally. So what are a few things that you just would love the listeners to know about you personally? Yeah, sure. Well, I guess first I have to talk about my puppy, my buttercup. (laughs) She's actually a foster fail, and it's funny because Princess Bride is like one of my favorite movies, and her name is Buttercup, and my last name is Wesley, so I like to think it's fate. Oh, wow, yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) I know. Other than that, I love to read and study, and it's kind of funny because I was thinking the other day about how this is the perfect career for me because... I get to learn things every day. I get to go and like travel to amazing places that I've never thought of before. And you get to use up your imagination and you get to help people. And this is my thing. I'm really happy to be doing it. That's awesome. And where do you live in the world? You know, it's funny because I've lived in Nashville for about the last seven years, but I'm in the middle of a move to Michigan, back where I'm from. My husband has been to Nashville. He's in a country band. And I think they recorded their album somewhere in Nashville recently. Oh, so fun. Yeah, this would be the place. This would be the place. Music everywhere. That's great about Nashville. There's literally, you can turn a corner and there's music. Yeah, that's what he said. He said that while they were there, they were able to go and see so many people playing everywhere. Yes. Yeah. That's one of the things that I'm going to genuinely miss about Nashville. Just how easy it is to access music. I live outside of Columbia, South Carolina, so we do have a music scene, but it is not really like some other towns and definitely not like Nashville. My dad and I are huge music fans. Like I listen to music, like some people sit down and like watch soccer or football. (laughs) Like it's a thing for me. And so when I got down to Nashville and my dad visits all the time, one of the things we have to do is go find free music, go find someone playing live. It's so easy, it's so great. What's your favorite type of music that you like to listen to or a musician? Oh man, that is so hard. Same for me. (laughs) Yeah, you put on classic rock and I'm always happy. Mm. Also, I really like classical music though, but at the same time, I love Florence and the Machine. Oh yeah. And what's funny is that I'm not a huge fan of modern day country music. Me either. (laughs) (laughs) 90s country music is the stuff I was like raised on, so I love that stuff. But anything more modern, I'm like, ugh. Tell me about the moonlight in your truck one more time. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm trying to remember what my husband calls the type of country music they do. Something like a outlaw country. That's what it is. Fun. That's so cool. Yeah. All right. So I am so intrigued to find out more about your beliefs on a lot of different things, but let's start with past lives. I'm a hypnotherapist. I engage with a lot of past life regression, hypnosis sessions, and the healing that comes from that. 
but I think you might have a little bit of a different view than I do. So do you believe in past lives, reincarnation? What are your thoughts about that? So this is a really interesting evolution for me because to cut to the end here, my guides have always taught me that it's not 100% true to say that you have a past life. It's more correct to say that you have a concurrent life, which is interesting to me because now we're getting into timelines. All time is now. So if you're going from that perspective, there's really no such thing as the past or the future. From a linear perspective here on Earth, we do use time in a linear fashion to help us gauge growth and change. But when you're coming from the oneness perspective, everything is happening in the moment. And that was a bit of a letdown for me (laughs) when they first taught me that. I remember when I first seriously started studying the Akashic Records, one of the things that my teacher was trying to get us to do was get into your personal record. Like I ask for your personal book, see what it has to teach you and then go from there. And I was so disappointed because everyone I was learning with was like, oh my gosh, I did this, this is who I was in a past life, blah, 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 blah. And I was getting crickets. I was getting (laughs) nothing about past lives of mine. And I'm like, what gives? Because I'm like, I don't feel like a new soul, you know? And this was like, when you hear about like old soul, new soul, I was like, I feel like I've been around the block a couple times. Like, I don't feel like I'm fresh. I'm not so naive that I don't know how to tie my shoe, things like that. And my guides were like, it's just because the rainbow child archetype is someone who doesn't carry any karma because they don't assume the burdens and identities of a past life. So I came into this world without carrying that with me, the identity of a past life. Now that's not to say that I couldn't accumulate a past life now, but that's what they taught me. And so that's what I'm like, if you say so. I can't. <laughs> but what's really interesting is I actually did a between lives regression session. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I'm really fascinated in this because my guys have told me that I don't have past lives. And I'd love to see if I just misinterpreted that or if there really is something out there that I just haven't been paying attention to. And it's interesting, you know, I do believe that people have the experience where they're like, yes, I connect to this life. It feels like me, it feels like my own. And I don't mean to discount that. But when I went through my own experience, what I actually did is I regressed back to the moment of individuation, my soul's origin, really. And then I just didn't connect to any quote unquote past lives as we understand them. So that was really interesting to me. It sounds like it's a lot about perception because when you were talking, I was thinking about Doctor Who and how Doctor Who says that time is wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey, and (laughs) I look at life as more of a spiral than linear, so it's really a perception that we have to wrap our brains around. I kind of feel like it's just terminology because past life in our brain system as a human kind of makes sense, but it also makes sense that it's concurrent if you kind of go into quantum physics and everything and everything's happening at one time. And that's really interesting. I love Doctor Who, so I love that you brought that up. Oh, okay. (laughs) That's such a great example though, right? Because we talk about time travel and how to get a human to travel, you know, like subatomically. And the, the real clue to that is, and the reason why people are able to access different timelines or even astral travel or pick up on a past life is because time is compressing in on itself so that these two people, timelines, experiences can happen simultaneously. 
I tell the people who come to me for past life regressions all the time that it does not even matter if you believe in past lives at all, because as long as you believe that you are powerful enough, your mind is powerful enough to show you something to help you heal, that's all you need to know. Yes. And I think that kind of fits as well, because it doesn't matter if it's a past life, concurrent life, whatever, you have the power within your soul and brain and everything else to heal yourself. And that is actually also something that my guides have taught me. The point, really, from the perspective that I was taught, is when you're connecting with this other life, it is for healing purposes. So the way that my guides taught it to me was you are connecting with this other person, typically in a moment of pain, like you feel connected because you have a similar pain experience. And the best word I have for that that most people are familiar with is karma. That's a karmic connection. But my guides call that a pain lineage. So there's something you're picking up from really the collective that has a really similar vibration and experience to this other person, this other life. So you guys connect and you're supposed to learn from each other. What can I see in this life that I'm not seeing in my own? And how can we stop doing this? So it's really a mutual opportunity for these two people to meet and to stop hurting themselves or each other. I absolutely think it's a learning and a healing experience. I love that. So could you explain to the listeners what you believe the Akashic Records are and what they're used for? To me, the Akashic Records is, I think most people are familiar with the Hall of Records explanation. So in a more modern day explanation, I sort of see it as the cloud of the universe. And if you want to have a more scientific explanation, you know how there's background radiation to the universe? Mm -hmm. It's just a bunch of microwaves and they can't figure out what it's there. It's the impression and the recording of everything that has happened in the universe, everything that will happen or may happen or didn't happen, all stored and recorded in the background of everything. Mm. It's really easy for me to access it. Your records are held in your body, right? There's records in the land. There's records in time. I personally access the records and to me it sort of seems like this void space, but I know other people who access the records, it's easiest for them to access it by going into journey space and maybe finding a Pegasus guide who flies them to it or they access it through a different star system. And so it really is a reflection upon the reader of how they access it and what they're doing in the Akash. But yeah, I always explain it as it's the recording of everything that has ever happened in the universe, timelines, ancestral lineages, anything like that. What is the difference between Akash, Akasha, and Akashic? Akashic and the Akash, I see it all as the same thing. Okay. They're just the records to me. So there's not one that's more proper word than another? I think it depends on how you're using it. It's sort of like tenses, I think. Okay. Yeah. So it would be like Akashic records. You're describing what kind of records, but you go to the Akash? Yes. Yeah. That's how I use it. All right. Awesome. I recently interviewed a psychic medium and animal communicator. It was just Mm. the other day, in fact, so the episode's not up yet. She talked about soul families, and she believes, as I do as well, that souls are energy. But being an animal communicator, she was talking about we can even have pets who are part of our soul family. So what do you believe about soul families? Is that the same as what you talk about? I was looking at your website about soul groups. 
Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, soul groups of origin. If you go out on the internet and you look up for soul groups, they're going to tell you that in a past life you were a Pleiadian or you are an Arcturian in a human body. And that's a perspective, but I really see it as more of an archetype because you are a human in this lifetime. And that tends to pop a lot of bubbles for people because it's like, I'm so cool because I'm an Arcturian kind of a thing. And you're cool because <laughs> you're you and you're a human, right? And so when I'm talking about like a soul group of origin, I'm talking about the things that make you you, like your mindset, your belief system, what makes sense to you, what doesn't make sense to you, all of those things if you are like a star seed or something, and you have a soul group of origin in Arcturus, let's just go with that, then that means that your mindset, your beliefs, your heart, your mind, the things that make you you, it's more commonly seen in that part of the universe. It's sort of a new archetype or newer on Earth. So that perspective is here to expand the Earth archetype. Okay. It's not necessarily in my line of work, what I have seen that you were an Arcturian in past life. It's that it's really easy for you to access that. And so if you run into Arcturians and you're astral traveling, you're gonna be like, oh my God, ET go home. Like these are my people. This is where I belong. This is like, please save me from this place. And it's like, it feels really homey to you because you guys share the same vibe and mindset, but you are in fact a human. A soul family though, I find really interesting. I've never really run into it in my line of work, but from what I understand, it's this idea of a group of souls that have traveled together through lifetimes. I swear, my dog right now, she reminds me so much of the dog that had passed away a few years ago, that I'm like, there's no way you guys didn't come from the same spark. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I had someone talking about twin flames and all that right at the same week that I had this animal communicator. So it was really interesting to hear both of their views on basically reincarnation and soul energy. So I'm really excited that now I have you talking <laughs> about another view, another idea, because every single person that I talk to has their own ideas. And I think it's really interesting with everything about galactic guides and galactic heritage coming up. I've been hearing about that so much lately. And even one of my guides this past year, a new guide that I had, just came out and told me something Polarian. Mm. And I went and talked to a psychic medium who is the one who told me about my guide because I had gone to her to ask about if I still had my old teaching guide or if there was someone new. And I was like, what the hell is Polarian? <laughs> he keeps telling me Polarian. He didn't necessarily say you are Polarian. It's just like Polarian, Polarian. So maybe with what you're just saying, maybe Polaris or the Polarian type, that's kind of what I can look at for an archetype to see about what's going on with me. That's definitely one of the known soul groups of origin. Mm. So you can definitely find things on that soul group that's really prevalent. And it's funny, my soul group of origin is Mission Realm, which is sort of star seedish. So it's so much easier for me to connect to like galactic energies than it is pretty much any other energy. <laughs> so I love talking about the aliens. So when you do an Akashic Records reading for someone, what sort of information are you finding out? So you're finding out about soul group of origin. Is that coming from this type of reading? 
Yeah, it's really easy for me to meet someone and sort of get the impression of what their soul group of origin is. It's just a knack that I have. It's just very easy for me. Really, though, the real work of an Akashic Records reading is not to tell you how many human lifetimes you've had. Like, it's not to tell you that, oh, you've lived here for 400 lifetimes, 40 of them have been in Germany, you've lived in Bolivia, 8,000. That's not really the point. It's interesting, so I get it. But it's really to help you focus on the life that you're living now without the distraction of anyone else, right? Because that's siphoning life energy and soul energy from you. And when you focus on these other lives, you're forgetting about the life that you were meant to live right here and right now. And when you are borrowing identity from these other lives, even if you're not doing it on purpose, you have a tendency to repeat their patterns. And so what you're doing is you're actually recreating the pains and the traumas of their lifetime in this lifetime, because it's so very rare that we connect with a quote unquote past life in a positive, helpful way. Oftentimes we're doing it in search of identity or validation for our current life. So what I really focus on in an Akashic Records rating is to help you sort of cut the noise and to let go of anything that's not yours so that we can refocus on what it is that you actually want to do in this lifetime. Because an Akashic Records reading is a time to make some pivots and to make some choices and to say, let's connect back to me and let's figure out what am I actually going to do here? Let's get serious. It's funny because when someone comes to me for an Akashic Records reading, they are ready. And Mm. I'm sort of just here giving information and holding the space. And they're the ones making the moves and the decisions and the pivots. And it's sort of... They're just coming to you because they're like, I just need help navigating. Yeah. But really, when you come to me, you're ready. You're making moves, (laughs) whether you go gently or not. (laughs) I love that you are all about focusing on this life, because even as a hypnotherapist that does past life regression, I do it a little bit different than even how I was taught in school and how other people do it, because I am all about this life right now as well. And yeah, I do get people coming because they're curious. Curiosity is a human thing. But the way that I do it, it's all about going to that space between lives afterwards. And how is this affecting your life now? How can you bring healing to this life now? Yeah. And it's not just about, hey, let's find out about all these things. It's, okay, now with this information, what do we need to do in this life for you to live better now? So I love that you are all about that as well. I completely agree. The original idea that we had of past lives, I think it's all great because it's fascinating and it expands our mind, right? Like Mm -hmm. it helps us look outside of a, you live and die and that's it perspective, right? So I think it's fascinating. It's a way to get us curious, you know, like you said, but information evolves as we evolve. Yeah. Have you seen healing occur in your clients after an Akashic Records healing? Is there a story that you are allowed to share about that? Hmm. That's interesting. Sometimes people come back to me and they're like, that was great. I'm ready to do another one. But most of the time I have people just sort of get back in contact with me and they're like, that changed my world. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I wanted. Now I feel like I have direction. I don't really have anything in specific that I could share with you, but that's the general gist of it. Like that's the healing power of the Akash. Well, 
if I'm allowed, if it's fine with you, can you tell me about your own discovery when you've accessed your own Akashic records? Was there anything that surprised you about what you found? Yeah, absolutely. The whole you don't have any past lives thing was a mind twister. And I actually fought with my guides on that for a little bit. <laughs> I have a habit of doing that. They give me information that like completely goes against the grain of my current worldview. And then we fight for about six months. And then I'm like, okay, what did you really mean? <laughs> so they did that with me when they told me I didn't have any past lives. And I was like the whole rainbow child thing. And I was like, well, shut up. You know, <laughs> like that's just like new age ego fluffing. I don't want to hear it, you know. And who I was when I first heard that information versus who I am now is sort of radically different. It's hard to notice when you're living it day to day, but when someone asks me a question like, well, what was so different about your experience? Yeah, I was just limping along before mm. I got this information. And now it sort of feels like I'm living my life, like going with it. It's interesting because it's less like I'm waiting for life to happen to me and more like I'm taking initiative. Yeah, that makes sense. And since you mentioned Rainbow Child, what is your view on being an indigo child? Because that's what I have been told I am. Yeah, it's really fun to read for indigos because I sort of see them as like the cowboys of the universe. <laughs> They're like, I'm going to do what I want. We're not doing this anymore. And I don't like this. This is dumb. We're going to do it this way. I don't care if I'm scaring you. That does not matter. It's really great because indigo children are so great at healing ancestral nonsense. And I love the fresh perspective that they bring. Anytime I read for an indigo, it's sort of like a horse that's like, okay, I'll let you put the bit on, but whenever I feel like it, I'm gonna bite it and put it in my teeth and we're going wherever I want. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so whenever I'm reading for one, they're like, okay, tell me what you think you know. Cool. That's interesting. I'll take it maybe, but I'll leave most of it. I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> so it's so fun. I think indigos are, they're just rebels. And I think that's really cool. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, rebel. I mean, a lot of stuff came from indigo children in the world. And I was born in 71, so I'll be 50 this year. And I've had a hard life. I, you know, it took me a long time to find myself and find my authentic voice. And I struggle with a lot of depression and I've done whole episodes about my whole life story. And I found that other indigos that I've met have a lot of the same struggles. Like we've had a lot of, you call it pain lineage. So maybe we've had pain lineages that we have had to heal. Yeah. And I think that's probably why the constitution of an indigo child is the way that it is because you need that grit. That's how you got through all of this, right? There's this part of you that's just like, forget this. I think that's also part of the rebellion, right? Is because there's this frustration. Why are we living like this? Why does it have to hurt? It doesn't have to hurt. I know it doesn't have to hurt. And it's that whole thing and it's how you bust through walls and stubborn people and stubborn hearts. And you're just like, no more none of this. I don't want to live like this. So you're not going to make me. It scares people, right? But that's that whole thing where you're just like, I don't care if you're scared because I can't do this. And so tell us more about the soul blueprint readings. How's that different from the Akashic Records reading? 
So it's really a very adjacent because I get your soul blueprint from the Akash. And so what I'm doing is I'm typically working with a guide. Sometimes it's your higher self. Sometimes it's a guide specific to you. And we are going through the qualities of you that you are typically overlooking. And this is why you're confused. This is why you're like, I'm lost. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what I should be doing in my life. And it's because you're not seeing yourself. And so a soul blueprint alignment is I help you see yourself. I'm helping to bust through all those beliefs that are keeping you from acknowledging the parts about you that are unique and extraordinary. And it's kind of funny. I started out in this line of work studying under an evidential medium. And I was desperately trying to figure out, I just need to do mediumship. Like, just show me someone's grandma. Come on. And all (laughs) of my guides would show me were people as like a snowflake because everyone's unique and individual. And I just sort of intuitively understood that we're talking about who this person is. And so they were just giving me like a 2D representation of like the 3D you. And when I would get into this encoding of you, I'd be like, okay, we need to talk about your purpose. You've gotten a little off track. This is who you are. This is what you came here to do, who you could be, who you could expand into and stop playing small that type of thing. And it really confused (laughs) the medium I was working at. She's like, well, her grandma's here. Do you want to try her grandma? And I'm like, no, we need to talk about why she quit school. (laughs) It's funny. And I had to eventually just be like, hey, do you mind if we just focus on this thing that I'm doing? And she's like, okay, because I don't really know what you're doing, but let's do it. And it's funny because even when I was trying to be the evidential medium, I was still working in the Akash and I didn't understand that's what that was. But yeah, it's basically like if I could put you on paper, I would, but this is the next best thing. These are your qualities. This is how you can stop overlooking yourself. And then oftentimes it has a lot to do with the belief that what you're doing isn't important or the belief that what you're doing isn't special because it's so easy to invalidate ourselves and to try and see what everyone else is doing and being confused because you're like, well, I should be doing that. This sounds so similar to shadow work. It is in a way. Yeah. It does have a little bit of that aspect to it. It's helping someone recognize that that ignorance that they have of themselves is a little bit of shadow. And then I'm sort of like, okay, now look inwards because that's where the light is, right? Like, who are you in here? And then we turn the light on by saying, stop invalidating yourself. That's why you're pretending like you can't see who you are. I read in one of your blogs where you mentioned spiritual bypassing. And I talk about toxic positivity way more than my guests and my listeners probably enjoy, but (laughs) it's one of my soapboxes. And I think that that is one of the ways that people use spiritual bypassing to avoid hard topics. So would you mind explaining a little bit about spiritual bypassing and how you've seen it used? I love that you brought up toxic positivity because that's also one of my soapboxes. It drives me nuts. (laughs) Oh, Spiritual bypassing from what I've seen, especially most recently with the Black Lives Matter movement is people saying that anything that makes you uncomfortable is a low vibration and therefore should not be engaged with. And there's this whole concept of high vibration, low vibration, which is inherently hierarchical, which I think makes it ego-based a little bit. When we get to this high-low idea, it's really easy for us to say anything that makes me feel uncomfortable is a low vibration and therefore anyone who engages in this is a low vibration person and it doesn't help anyone heal. So when you use something like that 
to say, I'm sorry, peace and love, good vibes only, let's not talk about this, let's talk about something that makes everyone happy, you're devaluing someone's humanity and experience that way. And I just find it really frustrating. (laughs) And I get it because when you're new to the woo, you're all surface. So I've done the whole thing where it's like, I'm not gonna engage in that, that's low vibration. But there's an aspect of yourself that's really calling out for that deeper work, that shadow work really, for you to figure out, well, maybe it's not a low vibration. Maybe someone's just pointing out where there's a low vibration in me and I just don't wanna look at it. And so I'm going to bypass that work by saying that this person is low vibration by pointing out this horrible thing. And that's my whole thing. So instead of saying high or low vibration, I say a contracted vibration or an expanded vibration because there's nothing inherently wrong with either of that. It's sort of like perspective. The contracted is something that's focusing on one specific thing. And an expanded vibration is something that is unfocused, right? It's just floating in the unmanifest. And that often feels yummy, depending on your perspective. To some people, it's scary. I feel like if people are saying, I don't want to be involved in anything that makes me uncomfortable, that discounts the power of a lot of different healing, just like the shadow work I just mentioned. That's dirty and grimy work and you cry and you feel bad and it's ripping parts of you out and leaving yourself raw, but then it gets to heal. Exactly. I also dealt with depression and anxiety pretty bad. And one of the ways that I treated it really is I meditated every day and it was awful. (laughs) I hated it. Making myself sit still and listen to my own brain for like 30 seconds was too much for me for a very long time. And if I had been like, oh no, that's low vibration, I never would have had the opportunity to be who I am today. And so it's uncomfortable, you're right, it sucks. You're putting your fingers in soft, squishy places that hurt, but you have to to heal. I feel like in the witchy community, I've seen it maybe in the last four or five years, just a lot of that toxic positivity because in some witchy circles, you get the whole darkness and grimy stuff and nature is filthy, nature is muddy, nature is like that. But the whole spiritual bypassing and toxic positivity has even gotten into a lot of the witchy circles that didn't used to be that way. Yeah, and isn't that a little frustrating? Because the more that you spiritually bypass and you engage in toxic positivity, it actually makes you ungrounded. Mm. Because you're sort of saying, well, the human experience itself is negative and toxic and I'm not going to engage in it. And so you just sort of start existing in your upper energy centers and you start creating this strange reality where nothing hurts or is painful. And it's sort of like, where are you? You're not living here. You're sort of living in your own delusion where everything is perfect and great and you're hurting yourself. And it's when you go back into your body and you get back into nature and you're like, oh, it's actually okay that I'm feeling this thing that needs to be changed as long as I acknowledge it and say, okay, let's work with this. The only way, because in some way, shape or form, anyone is engaging in predatory behavior, but it's recognizing it and then wanting to work on it and acknowledge it. And you can't do that. You can't change unless you stop pretending and lying. It's fine to be spiritual and to think of things beyond the earth, but we are living our life right now here on the earth as a human. And for the witches who are listening, 
I think this is an important lesson for y'all because we get to this point where we're not taking care of what's going on here. And I see in so many groups and festivals and just teaching places about this whole outside of ourself type of thing. And oh my goodness, don't banish anything. Don't do anything. And I'm all about magical ethics. I believe in ethics, but also I will do what I need to do to live my life here as a human. I think it's really important. I agree. I also think that when you don't engage with things that make you uncomfortable, when you refuse to heal, your work and your craft and your spiritual practice is not potent. It's not powerful or strong because why are you in this game? What are you trying to do? Like, are you just trying to make yourself feel better? Because if you actually want to feel better, you actually have to do the work and you can't just throw butterflies up in the air and be like, everything's perfect. It's not how that works. Like everything in the grand scheme of things is perfect, but your personal experience is yucky. So in order for you to absorb the everything is perfect in the universe experience, you have to move through some of the muck of yourself. And I completely agree. Like, I don't know much about witchcraft. I'm learning about it currently, but banishment to me just sort of sounds like boundaries, which is not a bad thing. No. I do teach a class on banishing and hexing, but I have my ethics involved. And I always tell people, whatever you decide to do to anybody, you just have to be willing for that to come back to you. Like, I don't believe in the whole threefold thing that Wiccans believe in, but I do believe in the law of cause and effect of the universe. Right, right. And you put something out, then you have to be willing to do that. And so I've never done anything harmful to any of my abusers from my childhood because it's not worth me taking that on myself. I have a life that I'm living and I'm going forward. But if somebody hurt my husband, if someone hurt my children, would I do something? I don't know, but I'm not saying, no, I'm in a box and I can't do anything because all love and light, you know, I will do what I need to do to protect myself and my family. People don't always like that. <laughs> Well, it seems like a more grounded approach, right? Because you at least have to allow all parts of yourself to come to the table when something has happened and at least hear what they have to say. You might not go with it, but at least hearing yourself in a situation is necessary. So if something does happen to any of your loved ones and you're like, I want to punch them in the face. I'd like to hex them. <laughs> Let's just talk about it. Exactly. <laughs> If you put certain parts of yourself in a box, they're just going to get louder and you're just going to feel smaller and smaller. And it's just part of being human. You're going to have these voices that maybe make you uncomfortable or freak you out a little bit. But what you're doing really, I think, is sort of channeling a larger universal experience. And when you listen to those voices and you hear them out and you say, no, maybe not today, is you're sort of diffusing the energy for everyone. So eh, maybe we don't choose that path. Maybe actually it makes more sense to do this. And you're serving yourself, but it's also service to the all in that way, I think. What is the most important lesson that you have learned on your spiritual path so far? To go out, you have to go in. You can't really have the spiritual experience that you're looking for if you don't go inside of you. And also if you don't incorporate your body, if you don't incorporate your humanity, who you are in this experience, any sort of spiritual seeking or thirst that you may have, you're always gonna feel parched because you're forgetting part of yourself. And that was a big thing 
for me, especially through depression and anxiety, because I never wanted to be in my body. And so when I finally got into my body and I was like, oh, I need to engage with the human experience. I need to engage with nature. I need to engage with pain. And I'm like, oh, this is when I go through this and not necessarily past it, but I go deep enough inside of me where I touch the infinite. This is why I love doing soul blueprint alignments because I'm helping people go into themselves and helping themselves find that little part of them that is God. That has really been pretty transformative to me. That's amazing. I'm a pantheist, so I believe that we have the divine in all of us, everything around us. It's everywhere. It's source. I agree. Where can people find out more about you online or book an Akashic Records reading or Soul Blueprint reading? You can go to divinerealignment.com. You can also find me on Facebook and Instagram by the same name, but I also have a podcast called Becoming Divine. Season one is out now. I'm working on season two where I'll be getting more into deeper, more focused things about the Akash and we talk more about karma and things like that. I'm also revamping my Akashic Records readings. So by the time this comes out, it may look a little different than how it looks right now. So divinerealignment.com and I would love to work with anyone who feels called to this. It has just been wonderful having you. Do you have any final words for us? Oh gosh, meditate. (laughs) Go in, man, meditate. Even if you can only do a minute a day, it counts. Thank you so much for having me on. I've loved talking with you. Yeah, this has been a great conversation. And as always, I would love to hear what our listeners think about this episode's topics. So be sure to comment, or you can even send me a voice message if you like. I might just use it on a future episode. Take care, and y'all be blessed. Thank you all for listening to Bell Book and Candle. You can follow Mella on Instagram and Facebook at Bell Book Candle SC. That's Bell, B-E-L-L-E. Or become a patron at patreon.com forward slash Bell Book Candle.